Welcome to the Mom to Mom podcast. Our hope is that this monthly podcast will provide both encouragement and practical help as you move forward in raising the next righteous generation. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for joining us on our Mom to Mom podcast. We've been interviewing some ladies who spoke at our first conference last year on topics related to motherhood, and we're going to take a break from that and address some topics that we think will be a help. We really want this time to feel like a conversation, almost like you're getting to sit with the women yourselves and hear from them in areas they have had more experience and wisdom in. Erica, thanks for joining us again on the Mom to Mom podcast. Erica is the wife of our senior pastor, Josh Delarosa, and leads our women's ministry here at OCC. She helped launch our church 14 years ago and has been married for... 23 years. 23 (laughs) years now. I was a little off on the years. 23 years. She has three kids uh, ranging in age from, is it 12 now? Yes. To 18? to 18. 12 to 18. And you and I have been discussing this topic of mom guilt for a while, which is what we're (laughs) going to be starting with today. And um, you really identified a need to discuss this through the podcast arena. And I just wanted to get a little bit more insight on how you came across that. Tell me how you kind of decided this was a need that we had. I think it's a need because I feel the guilt. I feel mom guilt. You know, what is is mom guilt? And um, just as I speak to different women, we just all have this struggle of feeling guilty. Yeah. Like we're not enough. Yeah. Like we're not enough. And, Mm um, there's this need to just do everything perfect. Right. And we, we just want to be everything for our kids. Um, and we, um, we want to be sufficient (laughs) and, um, we want to be everything that our children need. Yeah. You know, and that is just such a, Um, a lot of pressure to put on ourselves. Lofty aspiration, right? Yes, exactly. (laughs) So, and I think it's also like, I've heard this phrase thrown around in our culture for a long time. Oh, just mom guilt. That's just mom guilt. Yeah. (laughs) And so I've just been thinking about that for a really long time. Yeah. So I've heard it a lot too. And I have at times been a little confused on what exactly that meant. And Mm -hmm. so as we were getting ready for some of this, I looked up some definitions and I was excited. I was, I don't know if excited is the right word. It was more of like a shock to see like such differences in um, explanations of what mom guilt was. There's like such a range of how people define it. And so there wasn't this like set idea. There was a very different, big difference in cultural to biblical, like Mm -hmm. what I was seeing on mom guilt. Mm -hmm. So, um, so I, so I want to ask you, like, when did this start for you or, or when did you realize that this was an issue for you? The idea of mom guilt? Well, you know, going back to like, what is mom guilt? Right. You know, <laughs> that's probably I've, a good place to start. Yeah. I've, I've felt this, you know, this, uh, feeling of failure or the fear that I will fail as a mom since just, since really the very beginning. Mm-hmm. And really I've had to deal with a lot of anxiety and worry over my role as a mom. Um, so I think it really just started from the very beginning like right when you had kids <laughs> right when i right when i got pregnant yeah. i just felt that just that desire to really um do my role well and i right. think it it starts it stems from a desire to really love your child yeah um but then it just can grow into this big monster yeah <laughs> um and so i you know i took early childhood development classes and i read books on parenting and i just had this ideal of what it it looked like to be a good mom. Right. And so I was just prepared. Like I yep. had prepared. Um, but then 
you know, slowly, I mean, quickly, actually, not slowly, quickly, yeah. I found out that I just was not going to be able to pull that, that ideal off. Yeah. Um, and, you know, when it shows up, you know, when it started showing up is when I, you know, when I first had Gabe and just trying to figure out being a mom and how to just take care of his needs. And um, that was the beginning. But it also, it has shown up in different times. Yeah. So some of the times it shows up is when I, like compare myself to other women, mm-hmm. to other moms. Mm-hmm. When I um, when I have failed my children um, by my own sinful nature, right. like if I've been patient or I'm harsh or um, I just don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. It's my first time being a mom and I don't know that that is normal right. for my toddler to do something. Even though I've taken all the child development classes. Yeah, read all the books. Yeah, read all the books. <laughs> Gone to all the conferences. Yeah, like it's not doing what it what the book says. Yeah. You know, and so just the, all that, you know, that angst that happens as a young mom. Um, and then also um, another time it was surprising when I see, you know, that kind of mom guilt came up is whenever I would see my children suffering. Yeah. Like somehow I was responsible for just protecting them from everything. And I can't protect my kids from everything. So that's just unrealistic. And then, and then also a new, a new one or a one that's kind of popped up is just whenever my children change from state, from a different stage. So they're entering into a new stage and they're facing new challenges. And so I'm having to try to figure out how to help them through those challenges. So those are the times that that I see mom guilt pop up. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that, that covers such a spectrum. Like, I think sometimes we just think of mom guilt a little bit more specific to like, oh, when I do something wrong or when I do something that I shouldn't have done or that I'm not living up to certain expectations. But it really does cover such an arena of things, mm-hmm. which is why we can all relate to this feeling. Yeah. And so and it, it's interesting because because it covers such a wide arena it's a big monster that grows. Mm, yeah. <laughs> so I've had to really take it, um, just take mom guilt and just really kind of deal with it and really think through how to deal with it in a way that honors God. Yeah. So. That's great. Yeah. I, I, I want to kind of going off of that, you were talking a lot about the personal ways that you've experienced mom guilt. So, mm-hmm. so where do you think that that mom guilt comes from? Like, what do you think are some of the sources of that mom guilt? Yeah, well, I think one of them is expectations. It's mm-hmm. probably the biggest one. <laughs> we have expectations <laughs> on ourselves. Yeah. And other people have expectations on us. Yeah. And so we're constantly um, not living up to those expectations. Yeah. Um, and I am I am an idealist. So I, I just see the, the things that could happen. And then I yeah. automatically fail. Because <laughs> I build it up so much in my mind. Or expectations on our kids. Like those mm-hmm. thoughts of how we want them to be a certain way. And then when they don't live up to those, then we feel the failure on us that we're not doing something we should be doing. Yep. It's, yeah. Um, I, I think the other thing that, and probably some of where the expectations come from is like our culture. Like, you know, our culture says this is what your kids need to yeah. be successful. You know, your kids need a good education. Your kids need to be healthy. They need to um, just, they, they just paint this picture for us as yeah. well. And so it comes from the, you know, the media and the popular philosophies of the day. Mm-hmm. Um, another place that it can come from is just the family, our, your family background, yeah. our family standards. Um, we don't even know that we have these expectations from our family. Well, that's the way my mom did it, or that's what 
my family thought was successful. Yeah. So our family standards, what our family values, um, when we fail those things, then that can that can cause a lot of guilt. Yeah, I can relate to that. And then you bring that into your, your marriage, your relationships, without realizing that those are things that you've grown up with. And then all of a mm-hmm. sudden you're relating to someone who grew up a different way and you guys are not agreeing with it. And it's like, well, well that that's not the way I've done it. Yeah. <laughs> How come that doesn't make sense to you? <laughs> it's unspoken. Yes. Unspoken <laughs> is a good way to put it. Yeah. So um, and I guess the other thing is the perception of what we think God wants us to do. Yeah. Um, sometimes we don't, we assume that this is what God wants. Mm-hmm. Um, and we really need to make sure that we check it with scripture. Yeah. Um, and the other source of mom guilt is the role that God has given me as a parent. Like, it's just a big weighty role. Yeah. And I feel it every day. Yeah. Since I became a mom. Yeah. <laughs> so I was having a conversation with a mom recently, and we were really talking about this idea of how we're always on as parents. And being always on creates a lot of stress and pressure, and that can be really overwhelming. And it's no wonder that that kind of feeds into these feelings of guilt, that I'm not doing enough, that I'm not enough. Like it, there's there's not a lot of, I guess, room for making mistakes or mm-hmm. or it, that's the way it feels sometimes. Like I can't, I always have to be on. Like I've always got to be there. But that's, again, is that true? You know, these are questions that, that it's good that we're talking through today. Mm-hmm. So how has mom guilt really affected you personally? Like how would you say this has affected you in your day-to-day, in your relationships with your kids, just in general? Mm-hmm. Well, I think um, it's made me want to try to figure out the quote-unquote right way of doing things. Um, so I'm, I'm going to give you the negatives. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, yeah, the right way. Like, it has to be the right way. I need to know the right way. It's just an obsession yeah. with really, you know, trying to do everything the right way. Kind of perfectionist um, tendency. Because if you do it the right way, then it'll make it easier or... Mm-hmm. I'll feel better, or is that like... Or I can protect my kids mm, from something. Yeah. Um, or I don't want them to have to deal with what I had to deal with. Yeah. So then that puts pressure on me. Yeah. And then and then also, also when things are not going the way that I think that they should go, then that puts pressure on other people. Yeah. It puts pressure on my children. It puts pressure on my husband. And then I control things, and I let fear drive my decisions and it is just a it's a mess yeah <laughs> and it really does take the joy out of parenting it take it can take the joy out of my family yeah and so I really have had to um really seek God it's really driven me to my knees that's how it's affected me actually in some ways it's been good for me because <laughs> I realized I really need God and I cannot do it by myself yeah so so it's kind of in like a domino effect mm-hmm. is what you're describing of just there, there's got to be a right way, so I'm going to figure this out. But then that right way puts added pressure on the people around you. And then that leads to the control and the fear. And so it's just this, like, it just keeps going. Yeah. But, <laughs> I mean, in, in the end, you've also relied to trust God or learn to trust God and rely on him more. So there is some benefit to it as well. <laughs> yes. If I, if I can figure out that mom guilt has shown up again, yeah. then I can fix it little, you know, that I can go to the Lord quicker yes. and get back on track, yes. you know, but sometimes I don't realize I'm giving into mom guilt. <laughs> Amen. So we talked briefly at the beginning about how just there is um, kind of a cultural idea of mom guilt, and the, but there's also a more, I guess, biblical way that we could look at that. So what, 
what would you say are the sources of mom guilt, maybe from each of those perspectives? So I think there are two main sources. The first, the first source is legitimate failure. Yeah. Uh, we, we really do sin. We make mistakes and uh, we, we maybe lack wisdom. Well, we do lack wisdom, right? right. <laughs> which, which, which causes us to make mistakes. Yeah. And, um, and, um, and then there's just the past, you know, we, our past mistakes, they kind of haunt us. Mm. So that's the legitimate failure. Yeah. And, and that really is, um, the problem of sin. Right. Um, and then the other one is unrealistic ideas in the form of lies. Mm. So giving into the lies that come from people, come from culture, come from family, and really ultimately come from our adversary, the devil that yeah. wants to discourage us right. and to um, really have us live in failure. And that's not from God. Right. So this would be probably more of what the culture, like what we're seeing from that perspective. We see a lot of, of people, I feel like a lot of moms looking at what's around them and thinking they're failing in things that they're not legitimately failing in, but because so-and-so is doing it. And so like they start seeing this around them, comparing themselves. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's more of the cultural I- idea of mom guilt. Would you agree? Yeah. I would say like, um, not giving your kids enough culturally rich experiences. They've right. never, you know, gone to like, I don't a know. Museum or, a museum. A yeah. museum or like they've, you know, we're not giving them the right food. Right. You know, like. I found out quickly that my toddler would not eat avocados. And I just remember in childhood development class that it said avocados are a really important source of fat that will help yeah. their brains develop. Yeah. And of course, I was trying to shove avocado down yep. my, you know, child's yep. face. <laughs> Why won't you eat this? It's good for you. Exactly. <laughs> I had a similar situation or experience with, with dairy. Like two of my boys, I found out were dairy intolerant. And I remember a lot of family telling me, well, if they don't get enough milk, they're not going to grow strong. They're not going to have good bones. Like you have to give them something. And I'm like, well, I can't give them milk because they can't <laughs> drink it. You know, there was this, so like that family mm-hmm. influence as well as like what I knew to be true, which I know that milk had calcium. I'm like, this has to be good for their bones. So I totally can relate to what you're saying. Yeah. Oh, you know, another thing has been like just, um, just, you know, ministry. We were always busy with ministry. Yeah. And so a lot of times, you know, we haven't been able to have the family dinner at home, yeah. the traditional family dinner every single night of the week. Right. I experienced an incredible amount of guilt for that. <laughs> um, and I, and, you know, Josh and I have really, really talked about like, how can we love our kids and how can we keep a relationship with them yeah. uh, throughout the busyness of ministry. Right. But you know, we've found different ways to do that. It doesn't have to look like other people right. say it does. And that's where the mom guilt really gets into a dangerous place is when we start looking at people around us who are in different situations, have different jobs, have different roles, and we're comparing our lives to theirs. Mm-hmm. And just because this family over there has dinner together most nights of the week doesn't mean you're not doing something right. But that's that's where we struggle. We look at other people and think, well, we must be doing something wrong mm-hmm. just because our lives look different. And that's, that's not the case. Yeah. So, you know, what I did with that is we, you know, my husband, he doesn't work on Fridays. That's his day off. So we had right. family breakfast instead. That's awesome. Or we've been able to just do other really important things with our family that right. other families can't do because they have that more um, static schedule. Yeah. 
And so we've just kind of been able to even have lunch with our, with, with Josh and yeah. just meet him for lunch somewhere or whatever. Um, we've, we've had to be creative, but yeah. you know, it hasn't looked like the cultural norm. Yeah. You've adjusted your schedule to work for your family as opposed to doing the opposite. Like it, it, you've really like made, made, basically not been like a slave to the schedule. Like you've mm-hmm. been able to make it work. You know, another area has been when, you know, other people are having their kids in sports. Mm. <laughs> so starting that process yeah. right now. <laughs> so baseball, you know, all yeah. the parents were trying to figure out what to do with their kids so they can make it on the all-stars and then they can, you know, be in the, the high school team. And then yeah. if they have a shot for college baseball, which, you know, our kids, that's not the route we were going, but we just, I just felt this, this, should we be paying for somebody to teach our kid how to do pitching lessons? And, mm-hmm. you know, maybe we should be practicing more and having him have like, you know, going down to the batting cages right. and, you know, it is, it, it's never ending. Yeah. yeah. Pressure. <laughs> yeah. And I get, and that, that is like a, a cultural norm that we experience is, is, it's expected, like, oh, your kids are, aren't in sports, or your kid again, so there's this outside pressure that people are putting on you, but again, you figure out what works for your family, and 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 we've had to make similar sacrifices of, we won't do sports if they fall on a Sunday, because church is a priority, so you have to kind of adjust, and really think through your priorities, and not feel guilty for every little decision you make. Mm-hmm. So, um, we, we had talked through some scriptures that really, really kind of focused on this idea for you. Did you want to share some of those? So, you know, as I was preparing for this, I really thought of First John, and it really um, highlights um, the idea of relationship with Christ and what he has provided for us mm. um, and how he has provided the ability to relate in freedom. Yeah. And so I'm going to just read it. It's First John uh, 5 through 6, and it says... And this is the message we have heard from him and proclaimed to you, that God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. So, actually, I read I read verse 7, too. But really, um, that really begins with it addresses the first part of legitimate guilt. Mm. We have yeah. legitimate guilt. Yeah. <laughs> we have sin. Yeah. And in our lives and we need a savior. And um and we really we need to acknowledge that. Yeah. He really has set the standard for truth and um he is the one that, you know, that that we're supposed to be following it, Amen. following. Uh, so, and that's how we, that, that is how we deal with that. Uh, it says in verse eight, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. So we have to really admit that we have sin in our lives and that we really need God. We really need to, um, just, you know, go ahead and, and, you know, confess our sin and get back on track whenever we find that we have legitimate yeah. cause for guilt. Right. <laughs> uh, and then, you know, and then we, um, we just kind of, we don't, we don't ignore it. We don't push it aside, but we just call it what it is. Yeah. And then he says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. 
If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. So we really have to, um, you know, we really have to admit that we have sinned. We really have to, you know, turn from our sin. And then he gives us the freedom and the forgiveness to be able to deal with it. So that is really the, the basis for being able to kind of deal with the legitimate guilt yeah. <laughs> in our lives. Uh, and um, so when you talk about legitimate guilt and dealing with that, how, for someone who's maybe struggling to decide if it's a legitimate guilt or not, how would you say, how would you think that that is done? How would they decide, oh, this is something that is legitimately something I should be like concerned about, or this is just something I am perceiving? Yeah. So I think that the standard is, you know, God's standard. So in First uh, John 2, 1 through 2, it says, Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commands is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word in him, truly the love of God is perfected. Mm. So really it has to do with God's commands. So if it's a clear command, we know that if we've stepped over the line, then we confess that. Yeah. And we repent of that and we turn back to the Lord and we really just, um, we rely on his forgiveness. Mm. So that is kind of the, the you know, whatever. The, kind of the crux of. The crux yeah. of the, <laughs> yeah, that's what I was looking for. The crux of the matter. <laughs> um, and then it talks about how he helps us. He helps us walk um, mm. by the power of the Holy Spirit. So going back to First John, it says, so that, you know, that, pa- that passage has really helped me as I read it through. We don't have time to sit there and break it all down. Right. But it really talks about how we deal when we fall short of the standard of perfection. You know, uh, we have a way to deal with guilt. God's mm. already provided the way and we don't have to hide in shame. Amen. We, we confess it and move forward. And then it talks about how God is like perfect love casts out fear. Mm. His love gives us that peace that we can rely on yeah. when we fail. And, um, and when we fail, we will. Yes, and fail, <laughs> we will. So we, we acknowledge our need for him, and we acknowledge that, you know, we want to do it his way, and then we just rest in his love. Um, that is really, that is what gives me freedom from guilt. Yeah. And I, I even think of times when, when I'm sitting in that guilt, like even communicating it with someone who can, can help me get out of it. Like I, I feel a lot of times when we're sitting in guilt, we're, we're sitting in, in some shame or some, uh, and, and it can feel lonely. So like communicating it with someone else, like where you're at and what you're thinking and how you're feeling, it can really like help bring that to light and also help give truth to, is this, is this something that I should be struggling with? Or is this something, is this something I need to bring before God? Is this legitimate? Or is this something that I'm just struggling with because of cultural expectations, you know, mm-hmm. helping to clarify some of those things. So really what we're talking about is the gospel, right? The gospel of grace. Mm. And uh, for those of us that have decided to follow Jesus Christ, we have those promises given to us in um, Hebrews 4.16. It says, let us approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Mm. So God will give us the help if we have acknowledged him yeah. as the boss of our life. But then he also, for the, for the person that doesn't know Christ, the, the offer still 
stands for them. In Ephesians 2, 4 through 5, it says, But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. Mm. So God, through Christ, he invites us to be made alive in him. Yeah. So we can have that assurance if we call out to him and we ask him. Yeah. He will He will give us the grace. And so mm. all of us have the opportunity to deal with mom guilt. Yeah. So this mom guilt, this is really rooted in a salvation issue of if we don't have Christ, we're going to experience a lot more guilt because there's not freedom from from that guilt, from that sin, because it's a really a sin issue. Like we're going to, we're going to, we're sinners. We're going to make mistakes. We're going to do things that we don't want to do all the time. And then we're going to feel guilt for that because we know it was wrong. But with Christ, we can have freedom from that, those feelings of guilt, from those feelings of failure, because he gives us a way out of that. So um, I, I really think it's it's great that you brought this back around to understanding that it really is rooted in a salvation issue. Yeah, I, one of the things I tell myself is I walk in grace. Hmm. I walk in grace every yeah. day as I parent. Uh, I walk in grace if I do it the right way, Yeah, because he's the one who helps me. And I walk in grace if I do it the wrong way yeah. because I need his forgiveness. So regardless of if I fail or if I, if I succeed, yeah. then I walk in grace. So that is just really, it gives peace to me because I, I don't feel like there's, there's no hopelessness there. Yeah. I, I can do this by God's grace. Amen. So then how do we deal with the unrealistic expectations? Well, like I said earlier, we talked about how the unrealistic ideals and expectations, they they come from lies that we are buying into. So uh, some of the lies that I've had to deal with are, um, you know, that that I'm going to fail or that my kids are going to be hurt or that you know, there's just a whole bunch of things that fall into <laughs> unrealistic lies. Yeah, yeah. Uh, if I don't step in, then uh, what will happen to my child? Yeah. Uh, but some of the truths that I give my, that I have held on to, to deal with the unrealistic expectations, I, I won't give an exhaustive list because right, right. there are so many Countless. lies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but some of the truths that I tell myself, uh, what, number one, the one, the first thing I had to, to come to was that, well, I, when I first started dealing with this was when Gabe was a baby and I had to remember that Gabe belonged to God, mm-hmm. that my children belonged to God. And, um, I remembered the story in first Samuel when Hannah is dedicating her child to the Lord. And it says, if you give me a son, it's in first Samuel one. 11 it says if you give me a son i promise that i will dedicate him to you for his whole life and that he uh, will never have his hair cut Mm. so hannah continued to pray to the lord for a long time so she was asking for a son Mm. and she promised to give him back to the lord Mm. so i really at that point when i he was in my belly at the point where i started feeling mom guilt and fear (laughs) um that was one thing that I had to tell myself. He is the Lord's and he belongs 
to God. And that's actually why he was named Gabriel, mm. because Gabriel means devoted to God. So that was the first time <laughs> that I had to deal with it. And you then, that, yeah, yeah it's it, so, you know, it's just kind of like swinging the sword. Like what, you know, what am I going to do to combat the lies of the enemy? Yeah. And the other, the next um, thing that I have had to tell myself has been, um, Romans in Romans 12 two it says, don't be conformed to the pattern of this world. So I have to be reminding myself that if it is a cultural pattern that I am, I don't, I don't want to follow that. I right. want to, I want to build, uh, my parenting strategy on the word of God. So Romans 12 two, it says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by the testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Mm. And then the next thing that I had to tell myself, and actually I remember that I, he was born and, you know, I was having my quiet time. Gabe was a very small child. And, well, he was like a couple weeks. <laughs> an <laughs> <Now>, infant. <laughs> he was an infant. And I just remember reading in Matthew when... Um, when Jesus is saying to peop to the people, um, he's kind of he's he's kind of giving them like directions about gifts, and he says, "If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good gifts to those who ask Him?" Mm. So at that po- point in my life, I had to remember I'm evil. Yeah. <laughs> and I love my child and I want what's good for him, but God is good. Yeah. And he loves Gabe so much more than I do. So I have to remember that he gives good gifts and he loves Gabe more than I do. So he has a better plan for Gabe's life. Yeah. So that's another thing I help I've held on to. Which is always a hard thing to understand because we, we know our love for our kids and to think that someone, God, loves them more is almost hard to understand, hard to comprehend, you know. But there's so much about God we can't comprehend. Yeah, I mean, he, he loves Gabe. He's known Gabe. You know, Psalm Psalm 139 talks about how he knew Gabe. He, he knew him in the womb Yeah, as he was knitting him together. Mm-hmm. So that so that has been, there's so many other scriptures on that, like that, that God really loves Gabe more than I can. Jeremiah yeah. 29, 11. He has plans mm-hmm. for Gabe. Yes. But he has a plan for Gabe. That's the other thing. He has a plan for Gabe. In Genesis 50, 20, um, it's the story where Joseph is, you know, talking to his brothers. Bad things have happened to him, yes. but he's seen God come through. He's seen God's plan right. in the suffering. And so that has been one of the things I told myself when my kids suffer, I have to tell myself, well, God has a plan for them. Yeah. And um, I don't have to feel guilty for that. Yeah. So I'm not in control of yeah. that. So in, in, you know, Genesis 50, 20, it says, as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. Mm. So that's just to remind, remember, God has a plan for Gabe or God has a plan for all of my children. Right. Uh, So I don't have to worry. I don't have to be the lawnmower parent that mows down all problems in their life. So because then they're just going to come later in their life and they're not going to have the tools to handle them because they've never learned. Yes. Right. So Yes. Uh, and then um, another another thing that I've had to tell myself is not my will. It's mm. not my will. Yeah, that's a hard one. <laughs> it's not my plan for Gabe's life or my children's lives. Yeah. It's God's plan. Uh, you know, Luke twenty two forty two. 
Jesus is, you know, about to go to the cross and he says, Father, you are, if you are willing, take this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. Mm -hmm. Our Savior submitted to, to God's plan and it was a good plan. And God had had that set up from the beginning. So I just have to remember that I don't know what the plan is. Yeah. It's not my plan. It's his plan. And then Matthew 6, 9, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And I want God's kingdom to be done in my children's lives. Amen. I don't want to be in, I don't want to be in the way of that yeah. just because I think that there's a cultural norm for them, right? You know, just because I think that they should be doing something with their lives, I don't know. I'm not God, right? I'm just their mom. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> I get them for a short time. Yeah. I only get G- Gabe for 18 years, and that's yeah. done. Then I'm done. I'm done. He's 18. You know. So parenting really is. It goes by so fast. Yeah. And I don't. I I, I have a role to play, you know, to prepare my children for this world. But really, God is in charge of them. So these are the things I tell myself. There's probably more. I can't, you know, tell them all. Amen. But, but, but you know, they come from Scripture. Yeah. And that's how I combat the, uh, the lies yeah. from the enemy. And I, uh, here's some other things I do. I, I, you know, I check my motives. This is how I find out if I'm off. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so I check my motives. You know, do I, ha- I ask myself questions like, do I have baggage from family history? <laughs> yeah. From So, you know, maybe there's something in my family background that I am not seeing that I think that it should be done a certain way, but that's not biblical. Yeah. You know, are there other experiences in my life? Like so maybe some of the things that I went through in school that I think that, you know, that Gabe should or my other children should experience right. or that they shouldn't experience. Right. Is there a future desire for myself in this? Mm. What, am I wanting to see my children succeed for my, for my benefit? Uh, or, or am I trying to shield them from something? So I have to, I have to really check my standards against, um, you know, I have to check my standards and really look at scripture yeah. and say, you know, what does scripture say about this area? Are there principles that can be applied? Even if the Bible does not speak directly to this topic, right? What can, how can I really be filtering, you know, com, you know, I don't conform to the pattern of this world. I have to filter my mind and make sure that what I'm, you know, what I'm trying to accomplish in my parenting is really biblical. And then I check my expectations. Why do I think this is so important? You know, that's kind of motives mm-hmm. too, but mm-hmm. it's another expectations yeah. check. And then where is this coming from? Where's the source? Yeah. So I just start asking myself questions, especially if I have a strong reaction yeah. of guilt right. or, you know, if I'm angry or if I'm feeling anxiety or worry, I just yeah. have to start asking myself these questions. So you're really measuring these things up to scripture and what scripture says, what you know to be truth, what God has, has clearly given you as boundaries and guided you in. And you're really trying to weigh these things against scriptures. And that is really ultimately what's helping you to determine, is this right? Is this from the Lord? Should I be doing this? Should I not be doing this? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And there's been so much joy that's come from, you know, just looking at what scripture has to say and letting go of the things that are not what God wants yeah. or that's not part of the, the, the standard yeah. that he has for me. There's so many things 
that I've just been able to say, okay, God, if that's not the standard, I'm not yeah. going to worry about that. <laughs> well, and when we can key in on that area and not worry so much about all the other stuff outside of the area, it really allows us to focus on what's most important and not stress about the things that other people might be doing that we don't feel we're living up to. You know, it focuses in on what God wants us to focus in on. That's right. Well, thank you for sharing, Erica. This was really encouraging. And uh, I know that it's an area that I struggle with, just like I'm sure many of the moms can relate to that listen to this. And, And I just really appreciate your willingness and openness to delve into this topic. Thanks so much for joining us today. We hope that you've been encouraged to move forward in your parenting journey and that you have some practical next steps you can readily apply. Join us again next month for another Mom to Mom podcast.